0: Welcome to the Disruptors Podcast. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Jasleen. We're here to disrupt the tech industry by connecting diverse job seekers with inclusive organizations where talent from communities that are underrepresented can thrive. Whether you're a job seeker who belongs to an underrepresented group, a tech employer interested in learning how to attract diverse talent, or a diversity, equity, and inclusion champion looking for resources. We have got you covered. Here's to disrupting. Okay, here we are. Welcome everybody. Hopefully you are all settled in and ready for this amazing conversation that we are going to have with Reva. I know I'm excited. Uh quick introduction if you haven't been to one of our lives before. I am Alexandria Scoby. I am one of the co-founders of The Disruptors. We are a job board and community that has the intention to help people who are from underrepresented communities, get placed in tech jobs they can thrive. Uh, one of my co-founders is not here with us today; she is on vacation. But Jasmine is also with us. Uh, she will be back uh, next week. I am going to have Riva introduce herself before we dive into this conversation about the gap between education
1: and career readiness. Well, hello, um, and thank you so much, Alexandria, for having me. I am I'm super excited about the conversation. Um, So I'm Riva Jones and I have been an educator for a long time, um, going on 20 years, Um, have worked in local government um, and for universities, uh, but have had a focus on young people and adults. I put put them in um, for a long, long time, like to make sure that they have what they need, particularly those who are from underserved um, communities, um, people of color to make sure that I can do everything I can to level the playing field or remove barriers. And that's, I've spent the greater part of my career doing that, trying to be the one to um, disrupt uh, and ask the question, why, you know, why do we do it that way? Um, and and trying to bring it, bring work back or programming back to the center, to the folks that we said we wanted to help and not um, kill people with process and paper. So, that's kind of where I've been for the past twenty or so years, um, and and still enjoy it. I'm still in the classroom, and wouldn't give it up for anything. So, thank you again for having me.
0: Yeah, I, my pleasure. I am so excited that you agreed to do this. Bella disruptor and default setting of "but why?" human are always my favorites. That I can't, I like, I can't help. I'm like, but why? why, 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 why? I feel like I'm five years old. <laughs> So to get us started today, uh, I wanna open it up. People, you are welcome to make comments and ask questions. If we have time to get to the questions and they make sense in the conversation, we will 100% address them. But we have a handful of framings that we wanna go through today and just have a really interesting conversation. Uh, So the first one I wanna ask, what do you think is the most overlooked thing in conversations between the educators and company owners and just the two different spheres about career readiness and are we doing the right things for people?
1: So, so I think, yes, we're, we're moving in that direction. I think we're being pushed in that direction. Um, And I'm talking about we from the higher education space. I think the, the critical piece in, in that whole conversation is um, finding the, the space between input and outcome. Mm-hmm. Right? Because when you're talking from a higher education side, you're talking about uh, Carnegie units, how much time do you spend Is 16-week? Um, uh, it's a lot of teacher-focused, instructor-focused type of, uh, of setting. Mm-hmm. What the employers are looking for, they're looking for outcomes. Mm-hmm. Can you do the work? Or more importantly, can you learn? Mm-hmm. That's really what it's about. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's because learning is not static, Um, it is about, do you have the, do you have the propensity or the capacity or the curiosity to, to learn? And Mm -hmm. so I think what's, what's missing in the conversation is, um, having higher ed kind of look at it from an outcomes perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so instead of education being kind of like this, just in case thing, Mm -hmm. it's a just in time type of situation.
0: Oh, that's it. interesting. That just in case versus just in time. Can you expand more on that? Because I think that that's a really important thing to highlight.
1: So, just in case, usually when when we talk about higher education, um, particularly uh, people of color, particularly people who are looking to change the trajectory, mm-hmm. right, of of their 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 lives, their their economic, not not only to survive in this rapidly changing economy but to thrive in mm-hmm. it and the only way you can thrive in it is to learn to adapt mm-hmm. but when you look at higher education it really is about you get a college degree uh, you're taking out insurance yeah versus you're getting a college degree and it's going to help you hit the ground running mm-hmm. and so when you take a look at um a lot of the 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 funding policies and some people have really serious problems with performance funding um, but higher ed is being pushed to take a look at outcomes because mm-hmm. time and seat you spent 16 weeks in a course mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean you learned anything so time and seat yeah. is a is a proxy it's supposed to be a proxy for quality but you can't measure it and that's where we have the the misalignment right so we have someone with a college education they have a degree um and the employer has an expectation that they know how to do A, B, and C or that they have the propensity to learn X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in some instances, or more than we care to really admit to, that's not the case.
0: Yeah. Well, Because the like you just said, there's a gap in like the outcome and like expectation piece, right? Mm-hmm. So like measuring time and seat doesn't measure knowledge or thought process or ways of thinking or Mm -hmm. ability to problem solve or be Mm -hmm. in the moment, which are all skills that are needed. And some people have that and some people get that in college, but that's not inherently built into the curriculum or into education necessarily, or depending on where you go. Right. right. Like not all university educations are created equal. I mean, not even public school education is created equal across this country, which is another yeah. conversation of nonsense.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's it's very unequal. And um again, you know, when we talk about time and seat, we're talking about Carnegie units. Mm-hmm. And everything falls on Carnegie units, your financial aid, how many credits you've 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 taken, how many, you know, your progress through. The flip side of the conversation is you have a student, um, maybe they're an adult learner Mm -hmm. and they're coming back to college. They probably don't need 16 weeks in uh, oral communication because they've been writing and writing for years. And Mm -hmm. so, but you make that person sit through the same 16 weeks as let's say someone that's new, um, a freshly graduated high school student um, who hasn't had the experience of, yeah, you know, let's say business writing, and they haven't had that type of experience, so they may need 16 weeks to, to to hone that skill. But at the end, unless there's like some type of capstone or senior seminar type of of mechanism, you give a final exam, mm-hmm. pencil and paper, computer, um, but that doesn't necessarily measure whether or not the competency has been. Um, achieved yeah you right? can answer all the right questions and still have your your uh, presentation skills are, are are not not there they're mm-hmm. just not there
0: Well there's also a difference between rote memory right like I memorized the things I needed to do for the test or I practiced for this very specific instance but can you extrapolate that out? to other similar scenarios or into generalized problem solving, like you got to one answer, but that doesn't mean that you can get to the other answer, which is what you have to do in a career. Right. And the other interesting thing that I think you just talked about was the stage of life. Mm -hmm. Where are you at your stage of life and what experience do you already have? And that's a heavy lift for a college or a university or a different education system to be able to say, okay, well, if you're X amount of years old, we expect you to have this kind of life experience. That's not true either, necessarily. Mm
1: -mm. Mm -mm. And
0: so how many tracks would we potentially need to be able to meet the actual needs of everybody? And how would we facilitate that even on a larger scale?
1: So that's the interesting thing about the pandemic, right? So people have been saying for a long time, oh, higher education is is on the verge of collapse and and this and that and it's it's going to have to undergo great change. It it did.
0: So mm-hmm. the pandemic
1: brought on a type of disruption that on the on the flip side of it, it's gonna make moving to this individualized instructional space that you're referring to a mm-hmm. lot easier, right? And now technology is not the end all to be all right? Mm -hmm. Um, But what people, young, very young people, adults, they're becoming, you know, they're coming to a place where we expect things to be individualized for us. Um, If you think about um, uh, music, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How we can just go on and streaming services and build our own playlists Mm -hmm. and things like that. So the technology is there to provide the individualized type of shaping and instruction? But yeah, we would have to really figure out how do we how do we um, facilitate that, mm-hmm. right? Because inst- instructors or professors, and some will disagree, but we're really curators of resource materials, right? And the, and the 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 object is for learning to occur, right? Right. Telling is not teaching. Um, and so, and so, <laughs> 100%. If, if you're an instructor, if you're a professor, um, you sh- should is a judgment statement. But we would be looking towards having learning occur, mm-hmm. and not that we got through a bunch of course material within a specified amount of time, and we're a- assessing, um, like you said, nuggets of of um, information that may or may not be connected to a larger or broader background or context. Mm-hmm. So I think that now that everyone got pushed online, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not afraid of those spaces anymore. Now it's just to get in and and create. And because of all the other players that are coming into those spaces, it's going to do two things, right? It's going to drive innovation. Mm-hmm. So um, traditional higher ed institutions will have to move in order to maintain market space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also going to drop down costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you have more people um, entering. <clears throat> and that's where the employers, um, that's kind of where they come in, right? Because if they're accepting credentialing, mm-hmm. um, it makes it, it's a, it's a different ballgame. We're talking about something totally different at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, maybe I need this and not all of this right now, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm working on working towards something and I need this. Um, I think the other thing along just along that line is portfolios. A mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of young people, um, graduate college and they have really nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. They have no way to crystallize their learning. Mm-hmm. They don't have any artifacts or documents or, or, um, deliverables that they can say, hey, I worked on this, I did this in a team environment, you know, and, and, and they have it. Same for adults. Adults come to college with a tremendous wealth of experience, but mm-hmm. to have them codify and crystallize that mm-hmm. um, and build this portfolio, it does two things. It, it, it encourages them to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, they become um, a lot bolder and sharper. Um, in, in in the things that they pursue because they realize that they have all of this experience mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes they feel a little less than because they don't have that piece of paper mm-hmm. so, um, it, so it's interesting I think to, yeah technology will definitely allow for the individualized learning that you that you talk about
0: yeah and I think that's super interesting you're right like technology like it in and of itself is a disruptive element in our space anymore and it, it can't be ignored and it's not going anywhere and I think We wouldn't want it to either really but making sure that it is we're using it as a tool to get to where we want to go versus it just being there around or any of those things like we can really leverage this in this moment and i really like what you're talking about with their portfolios and portfolios are very ubiquitous in the tech space right like that's very much how people showcase their skills Mm -hmm. And the framing of that I think is super important across industries, like while the disruptors focuses a lot on tech and tech jobs, that would be true for any position you're in, right? Like to be able to showcase that I have the skills, right? That competence-based education and being able to connect your education to what you're going to be doing. Uh And there's a lot of people who will complain like, oh, why do I have to take another three years of history if I'm not gonna be a history major? But there are elements that are important in that, right? Mm -hmm. Research, the ability to research and ask questions and find answers is super important in Mm -hmm. lots of industries. Absolutely. To to think about, I'm portfolio building. I like what you said about attaching to, I have done this. Mm -hmm. I do have this experience. I do have this value, as well as teaching people how to talk about their value
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is huge in careers. We talk about it all the time. Like you got to talk about your value. And people mm-hmm. are like, I'm not, I'm not valuable. I'm right. like, no, no, that's not true.
1: <laughs> right, right. So and, no, and it's particularly for people of color mm-hmm. and women. We have a hard time uh, crystallizing the value, our value in any situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Being able to bring that out and showcase it and make it okay to showcase mm-hmm. the like the permission to do so. Like while I would love for there to not need to be permission to do so, like we are in a, in a moment that it is that like, Mm -hmm. you do have that permission and take a hold of it. Absolutely. So what do you think is currently the biggest hurdle to overcome in that gap between the higher education systems and career readiness?
1: Um, I think it's the dichotomy of either or. Mm. Right. And um, I think, it's, you know, there's a little elitism that smacks in higher education in terms of, well, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. And you have to, according to whom, Mm -hmm. and maybe that might've been a hundred years ago, but what about now? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's, it's being open to new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. It's a realization that, um, if, if you are using adjunct instructors, part-time instructors, you probably have a, a lot of the experience and the, and the know-how that you need to shape or reshape courses so that they are uh, geared more towards competencies mm-hmm. um but i think it's i think the biggest hurdle is just overcoming the, the dichotomy um, and it reminds me of of the, the difference in k-12 when they start talking about vocational and mm-hmm. versus uh you know like a, a college path that's a false dichotomy hmm Right, every, every young person graduating from high school should have a skill mm-hmm. that will allow them to get an entry level job, mm-hmm. absolutely. But what has happened over the years is as that deteriorates is that we begin to use the college degree as a proxy for um, competency. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing, well, maybe sometimes that is, maybe sometimes it isn't, but mm-hmm. it really is. Um, it's a both and, it's not an either or. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can teach just about any course um, and particularly the STEM courses with the outcome in mind, mm-hmm. right? It's much easier to conduct research and have students um, come up with their own survey questions, have them, have them come up with a question that they wanna answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, building that intellectual curiosity, having mm-hmm. them come up with the question and having them move through a research process is much more fruitful than dry teaching statistics, right? And now we're gonna talk about probability. And now we're gonna talk about the normal distribution and it's not connected to anything.
0: But not connected to anything is huge, right? Like (laughs) there is
1: a small percentage of
0: people who can just make the connection. Oh, this makes sense, I see why I need this. Right. But then talking about the accessibility of education and learning And really thinking about, like, not everybody learns the same way and can be in that classroom just having things told to them in a way that they're going to pick up and apply the how how is this related. Mm -hmm. And I like the conversation about the vocations as well, because it's not either or, right? It's your own destiny for you to be able to thrive in the future. And what do you need Mm -hmm. to make that happen? Is that vocational training? is that a trade versus uh, going to law school? Mm -hmm. And the false dichotomy of one being better than the other, I think is a super harmful conversation that's out there that I would
1: really like to see change. Right, right. Right. Yeah, not only is it a false dichotomy, but it does a disservice Mm -hmm. to the learner. Mm -hmm. It does a disservice. You can go through uh, four years of college and come out with a 4.0 GPA and have mastered absolutely nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And and also you're not you're not interested in learning. Um, I hear this a lot. Just tell me what I need to pass the test, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Just strip it all down. Tell me what I exactly what I need to pass the test, right? So if we, we have to change that 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 mindset, that focus, that college is a compliance exercise that you check in the box so that you can go on and get this great job, right? Mm-hmm. But what's missing, I think, is where you you're honing in on is there's a a bridge or there's a gap between what you come out of college with and what the employer anticipates you being able to do. More and more. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that. Um, the conversation then has to become around, how do you, how do you build competency into the course? Cause right now courses, they have outcomes, mm-hmm. but uh, how do you really measure them? Yeah. yeah. And are we measuring
0: the things that actually give us the answers that we need? Exactly. Like you talked about at the beginning, right? Like time in seat doesn't equate to skill learned. And so are we measuring the wrong things?
1: right are we measuring the wrong things are we using the wrong proxies Mm -hmm. and that's a whole other conversation right because now you're talking about the accreditors and how to get them to shift what they deem as um as learning right Mm -hmm. and i said this earlier higher ed is very much input and process driven Mm -hmm. it's not very outcomes driven and that's something that state legislators are asking for. Um, the U.S. Department of Education is beginning to ask for it. Like, how how does all this four years uh, equate to um, being able to get a stronghold in in the market? Mm-hmm. And, and we're struggling to answer that question, right? And some some higher education institutions feel like that's not that's not what we do. That's scope creep. Um, but when you're spending millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on education, it it does become. Um, incumbent upon you to think about, okay, when this student graduates with $250,000 in debt, Mm -hmm. what kind of job did you prepare them for? Mm -hmm. So at the very least, they can pay down the debt and still live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and I think it's very interesting that you're
0: talking about, like, I think that is the gap right there. The thought of what edu- the higher education institutions are for, and the ed- like expectation of people coming into them and the expectation of companies is that there's outcomes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like when you go to college, you expect to get a job afterwards. Mm-hmm. And employers expect that if you have a piece of paper that you're ready to do this job. Mm-hmm. But there's a complete misalignment of what that looks like and what that means.
1: Well, it goes back to the origins of higher education, right? Higher education was not meant for everybody, right? Right, and and most of us didn't gain access to it until you know the mid mid century, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it still has structures and processes and traditions and cultures that are very exclusive of of people, right? So when you're you know uh, well-to-do, right? male majority, you're going to college to create networks, to um, leverage other learning, to get to know other people. And you're, you're but, but your career is pretty secure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That used to be the case, but when you open it up and, and then education somehow becomes the great equalizer, or in my case, as a first generation student, it was transformative to mm-hmm. my career trajectory. Mm-hmm. Now we we have to we have to be talking about outcomes mm-hmm. and thinking about it, the purpose. You know, kind of yes, it's it's it, it, there's very lofty goals, but there are also very real concrete goals. People who spend um, mm-hmm. money, taking out loans, they're paying for something. What exactly are they paying for? And it's not the experience for, for most of it, right? It is because they're hoping to change the trajectory because they're hoping to to break the concrete ceiling and walls that Mm -hmm. often are um, a part of their everyday experience. Mm -hmm. There's an aspiration there Mm -hmm. um, that they're gonna do better and be better once they complete this process that seemed to work for other people, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have to give homage to that, particularly those um, of us that are broad access institutions it, that's exactly, you know, that that's what we're here for. That's what we stand for is to to equalize and, and to to bring folks up to a different level. You can't do that if you don't have outcomes of how they will um, progress in in the workspace.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think you just highlighted something that's also super interesting, right? Like we've all been told the story that you go to college, you get a good career, you can change your future. And like there is still a lot of truth in that, but you just highlighted another piece that wasn't really talked about. In the reason that worked before is because they already had the network built in. They were just there to be socialized. They were just there mm-hmm. to meet new people. And they already had that safety net coming out of it that existed, whether they went to college or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yes. so that's the missing link for a lot of people is you don't have that network, right? If you come out of a community that's been historically marginalized, your community looks different. You're hoping that college will change that trajectory and mm-hmm. will change that community. And it does to a point, but if you don't realize or you aren't told that's what you're there to do, then you're there reading your books and getting the grades and doing those things mm-hmm. versus the networking and the socializing mm-hmm. and the other aspect. It's, it's the
1: culture, the cultural capital that you build. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in certain industries, tech, finance, you have to really have some type of internship that you have done or um, that network has to be alive and working for you, right? Because those are not industries that you just walk in off the street and can work your way up, right? Who, how many people actually uh, go to school in finance and they want to become investment bankers? Only mm-hmm. to find that the the industry is very closed mm-hmm. and very select. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't do an internship at this company, if you didn't go to the right school, mm-hmm. um, you significantly lower your chances of of that that dream job. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is an interesting conversation specifically about tech, right? Because there is this thought of like, oh, anybody can do it. It's very entrepreneurial and all kinds of startups and all these spaces, but there is a whole lot of gatekeeping that still happens. And Absolutely. it's it's almost worse, in my opinion, that it's not a conscious gatekeeping. There is a thought that, like, we're open and, like, you just, it's still self taught and, like, all those things. Like, and that's true to a point, but you still have to have somebody who welcomes you in. You still have to have somebody who opens that door. Mm-hmm. And how do we create more of conversations around that? Because there is also the excuses of, oh, we're bootstrapped, we're we're resource starved, like we're fast moving and you have to be able to hit the ground running. Like, well, but everybody learned. Mm-hmm. So what social responsibility do you have as a company to open those doors for the entry level, for the internships, to give the opportunities for people to come in that don't look way it's always Mm -hmm. looked
1: and that's and that is you know again to go back to your question about you know kind of what's missing where's the gap that connection between higher ed and employer and so you have more institutions that have college or career um the career offices and things like that but but to make sure that they are representative of the the future you're trying to give these students, that's mm-hmm. a very different thing, right? Because if it's if it's on network, then you're looking at the network of the person that's heading it or the network of the president of the organization mm-hmm. um, or the, the, the college or university. And that may not necessarily be enough mm-hmm. to give students, young people, or people who are seeking second and third careers Mm -hmm. the opportunity that they need, right? That advocate, the person who's going to advocate for you at a table that you are not at. Mm -hmm. That's extremely important. And how do you build those relationships and make those connections? Mm -hmm.
0: And the advocacy too, being willing to do that for someone else, the recognition of individual privilege of, this is the space I can help someone in. And everybody having the ability to help someone else Mm-hmm. And being willing and able and to have space to take a breath to say, I can and will help someone else, even mm-hmm. like I'm not where I want to be yet, but I can also I'm further along than somebody else. And how can I help them?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think the other piece that you just brought up, that conversation between employers and higher education or other educational like learning institutions, because we have lots of options now, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just the college or university level, there's boot camps, there's online Mm -hmm. courses, there's Mm -hmm. lots of things. So there's lots of different people at that table now. But it also seems like they're not necessarily fully talking and communicating. So Mm -hmm. if you, from the higher education perspective, got the opportunity to talk to a group of employers, what would you want them to know? And adjustments that...
1: You would like to see um i would like to you know i'd like them to get to a space where they are realizing that they have a great mission and goal but that where they are now doesn't necessarily represent the diversity of what they're talking about because mm-hmm. those higher aspirations you you, you mostly you reach them um, when you have a diverse set of thoughts, when you have a diverse set of experiences, when you have a diverse set of, of, of backgrounds and cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- to have the realization that there's a gap between where we are right now and where we wanna be, um, mm-hmm. and that um, there are pools of candidates that, mm-hmm. are, that are out there that are sharp and hungry and seeking, seeking the opportunity, right? That it's not mm-hmm. a leaky pipeline that we're talking about, we're talking about your your networks mm-hmm. that um, that look a lot like you, that that have the same kind of uh, likes and dislikes, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about stepping outside of that space and and welcoming um, something different and new.
0: Yeah, something different and new, and opening up for what can fill the area of opportunity that we're missing. Mm-hmm. I think that that that's a conversation I have with lots of leaders all the time. And I'm like, oh, they don't look like this. They don't they don't look like a developer. They don't look like mm-hmm. a project manager and just like deciding that somebody doesn't have the skills because they aren't what you're used to seeing in that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that conversation, like pushing on that. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they don't look like the mirror. Well, what are what are the skills like? What are the competencies right. like? What do we actually need here in this moment? Mm-hmm. And what are we missing?
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. if you don't have enough people around the table talking about the problem, you're ignoring whole portions of the problem that you can't even see.
1: Right, and you know, and and just to 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 add to your point, which is is key. Um, yeah, you'd like somebody that can hit the ground running, mm-hmm. but. What about that person that has an extraordinary capacity to learn? Mm-hmm. That potential that you're never testing because you're looking for this ready-made product, right? Mm-hmm. But you could probably go much further with, um, a, a, you know, just shaping um, and allowing the opportunity. Allow that person to get in. Um, I think that that's kind of what we're missing in the education conversation. Is we're talking about what you're supposed to get out of it. But at the end of the day, if you haven't created a curious learner, mm-hmm. which is different from a student. Right. Right. And that's why students sometimes are not excelling or or thriving in online and teaching environments, because you have to be a learner to survive mm-hmm. in an online teaching environment to 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 feel comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to go outside and get information on your own there's a whole world open to us but some of us you know we've been conditioned that you know basically when i want your opinion i'll give it to you and that's not the type of person that that you want in your company right that's a student you want a learner and 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 you have to grow those Mm
0: Well, I think that's a huge piece right now. The future of work, right? The future of work is now. We are in the information age. We are in the space of being an information economy. And that means learner, right? It's always changing. It's always growing. The trajectory of tech and the changing landscape, it's its fast. It's a very fast cycle, but that also means that everybody within the tech space right now or within these industries right now that are all pushed by tech, they're constantly evolving and changing. So everyone has to be that learner. Mm -hmm. And so switching from, oh, if I want the best salesperson, I go to the, I don't know, whatever, Wharton School of Business, right? I think that that's supposedly the best one. But are they learning? Do they want to learn? Are they curious? Right. They and how curious? do you measure that on a resume? How do you talk about that? How do you see that in a portfolio? And I think that's a very interesting conversation to have. It
1: is. It is. Because as an instructor, that's what you want to push, mm-hmm. right? You want to push that curiosity. You want to nurture it. You want to grow it. Um, and I I would think just off the cuff, you could see it through a portfolio that, well, it took on this stretch assignment. Or I, I took this to this level. Like, how mm-hmm. did you... How did you move above and beyond what the assignment was or what the task was to to learning something more? What did you learn out of it? Like, it's so important to be able to crystallize the learning that has occurred. Uh, And you'll be very surprised. Sometimes, most of the time we don't stop long enough to figure out what we have learned. It's a lot more than what came out of the textbook, right?
0: Well, and I think that so much of that is because it's, it's a curated curriculum, right? And so it's not necessarily built around the curiosity and the growth and the learning other than rote memory, like I learned the thing that I was told to learn. Right. But how does that push you as a, as a human, as somebody who's deciding what your future looks like? Right. And we
1: talk about critical thinking skills all the time. But if you really peel back, uh, and I'm not beating up on any class, if you really peel back on a course... Mm-hmm. Is that critical thinking? Are all those mechanisms there to, to that will allow the student to do that, to be that, to grow that, or the learner to grow in that space? I'm not sure. I'm not so sure, right? Because it's very instructor centered. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach this. I'm an expert here, right? Um, and there are some that don't take kindly to dissenting opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and young people in particular are full of dissenting opinions and that's what makes them wonderful Mm -hmm. right um to to just hear how they're approaching it their world is a lot different from our world right um and so when you look at a when you you look at an adult conversely who's moving into a second and third career that takes a lot of guts to have spent somewhere for 20 years and now you're just going to turn and you're going to you're going to move or explore some other area Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that, you know, touching on the difference between students and learners, that you do want that critical thinking that you Mm -hmm. do want those, those skills that are measurable, but that's what you want. Um, and that's, I think that's what employers actually want. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't
1: think they want someone who you got to tell them every step of the way what it is that you want them to do. You want them to be able to think to the next step.
0: Yeah. 100% One hundred percent, thing to the next step. And I guess the question that is coming to my mind in this moment is: Higher education too late? Like, is have, it we, too late? have we cultivated that up until the point where they get to college? Like, can you just get to
1: the eighteen-year-old
0: and, like, oh, now we're going to teach you how to be a learner?
1: I, I think so. Did before, I think so. I think so because because I think at our core we're naturally curious, mm-hmm. right? The five-year-old or the six-year-old that's asking why, why, why—not <laughs> to be annoying, although you know it can get to that point—but they're trying, they're trying to learn, and mm-hmm. they're actually trying to connect all of what they're learning. They're trying to connect it together to make sense out of their world. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's not easy, but I think if you can spark the the you set up the safe space, which is what college is supposed to be, right—a safe space to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, you can spark all kinds of, of interest. Um, I teach statistics Mm -hmm. and people don't think that's interesting at all, but I've had some students that walk in and it seems like the world just opens up for them, that they understand things in a different space and they want to, they want to learn more and they, they do the extra work. They, they ask the questions or, or, you know, have very interesting research topics that they, that they pursue. So, um, and eventually, I think the, the the elementary and secondary space we'll we'll get there. Um, but I I don't think it's too late. I think that's the magic of mm-hmm. of of higher ed or post secondary education. That's the magic because presumably you're you're choosing what you think you want to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so you're there. Uh, first of all, you're not. It's not compulsory. You're there because you want to be there. And so there, I think there's space in there to to really um, help someone blossom and and change, you know, the way they're thinking about
0: stuff. Yeah, I like that. And that's definitely a very good framing. And I I think the thing that I'm hearing is it's a yes and. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we can cultivate learners up until higher education, but it's still possible to reopen that door or to open that. And I think the, the safety piece is a very interesting piece of what you just said, in my opinion, of creating the safe space to learn and how can we do that as a society and even outside of the education space that it's okay to keep learning because it's almost like, Oh, you're done with school. You're done learning.
1: Oh no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and I think you, you touched on it just earlier that the way things are changing and the adaptation that you have to have in order to maneuver, thrive, survive. I think that's pushing, um, you know, I think, that's pushing the concept of, of this lifelong learner. It's become a, a sad cliche, but it's really the truth, right? If you think about some of us who went to work before there was a computer on a desk and now you can't imagine there not being a laptop or a device or something that that has some, some computing power, we've come a long way and we're, we're able to make those, I think we're able to make those adaptations. It's required and I think we do it naturally. I just don't think we stop to, realize how much uh, adapting we've done, how much learning we've amassed when we're in the workspace.
0: Yeah, which is really unraveling that story, right? Well, it just, it's not, like you are changing all the time.
1: All the time.
0: People push back like, oh, change, change is bad, change is all of these things. And I'm like, that is such an old reptilian brain story. <laughs> the only thing that is never
1: changing is that things are always changing. Right. And I think, I think you know, if you really peel back why people push back against change? They would all agree that the change is good. What mm-hmm. they're pushing back is the loss that's going to occur as a result of the change. And so, once you can understand what people feel like they're losing, or what they actually are losing, and you're able to um, cover ground in that space, mm-hmm. then then you know then the change is is uh, internalized and institutionalized um, in the organization. But but people, I, I would. I would think that most people would agree, you know, that change is good, um, but it's the loss that, that and it's a transition, right? The minute you make the change, that's instantaneous, but adapting to that change, that's a process, that's a transition, um, that's very uncomfortable, right? Yeah. So. I think uh, interesting
0: point with the grief, right? The loss, the absolutely, and maybe the fear of what am I letting go of, and will the replacement be as good? like minimum as good, like we hope it, it's better, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the intention, but not all change is equal and not all change. Is good. Sometimes right. you got to do some iterative testing, mm-hmm. which is another interesting thing with the tech space, right? Like with the agile and the fast moving and like move fast and break things, you're going <laughs> to make mistakes. You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to lose. You're, you're not always going to win. Mm-hmm. But how do we change that story too about winning being the only thing? and just being comfortable with the learning piece.
1: I think a lot of employers want to embrace that. Um, but again, it's creating the culture that supports, supports that, right? So you would have to have your, your rewards uh, system in place that really kind of supports the learning or you know, the feedback, as they say. And I think that culture is very much alive and well um in in most organizations um but some have to you know have to move to that space and some never will right mm-hmm. it will just always be high stakes high pressure um or low stakes compliance it depends on on you know what the industry is but i think um for the most part um, folks are okay with um allowing people to make mistakes and and learn from those mistakes. At least they give lip service to it now. Um, And I'm hoping that they'll do the work internally to ensure that the culture is the safe space. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you'll be surprised once you give people the space to make mistakes, they actually make less of them.
0: Yeah, because they're not so worried about making a mistake, (laughs) but they actually are just focused on the task at hand versus all of these other potential punishments that might be coming. Mm -hmm. So one of the other questions that I wanna talk about is uh, what other educational opportunities could we be exploring? Could we be opening the door to or supporting that would create more accessibility and equitability in being able to choose a future that you can thrive in and career readiness?
1: I I think they're all around us, right? I joke about YouTube University, (laughs) right? But it's an excellent place to go if if you're doing some cursory research. There are a lot of new entrants in in you know uh, the outlier.org folks who are doing things with a you know with a film cinematic flair to it like they're delivering these courses. There's Coursera. Um, there's a lot of for profit um, entities, and then you have the for profits that's being assumed by the traditional universities like Purdue University Online. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different. Um, ways to get credentialing, micro-credentialing, or you're not quite sure what you want. Um, Again, just-in-time learning Mm -hmm. there, the internet um, and the connectivity that we have is opening up the space so that they're just tremendous places. And even employers are taking a look at that. They're hiring chief learning officers to make sure that the learning that happens um, in the organization, you can capture the knowledge and leverage it. Um, but also that you're providing that type of um, uh, incentive encouragement um, to, for folks to to want to learn, to want to move up to want to be in a different space. So I think it, I think we're really submersed in it to the point where it could be overload and we have to at this time kind of make the, the distinctions between what we want, what we don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're all around and they're all at different price points, right? And so, that's something else that the tra- traditional um, universities, colleges and universities have to really look at, um, because the more interest you have in, in any industry, of course, you're gonna drive down um, costs, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's gonna be really hard for you to justify, right? That 20, $30,000 uh, tuition price tag, because there are so many other people. And employers play a huge role in that too, right? Because if they accept these credentials, um, or the micro credentialing um, it they you know they open up a whole different space and so it doesn't have to be just this one way but I would argue that universities are very versatile because they have these continuing education departments mm-hmm. where you can continue your learning um, and it's not at that super super duper rate but you are uh, gaining uh, education or continuing in your learning even after you you graduate so mm-hmm. we're submersed um, there's Knowledge everywhere. <laughs> you can get it just about anywhere. But I really hats off to the employers that are looking at learning systems um, and how to how to leverage it and how to keep the learning going and, and the information fresh within the organization.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the the summer, like we are right. It's it's everywhere, and it's it's almost a choice to not be learning. Thing it's not almost. It is. You <laughs>
1: have to work really hard not to learn.
0: You do, you do, because it is, it's everywhere. And I think that goes back to that portfolio conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Really Mm -hmm. acknowledging what you're learning, why you're learning it, and like maybe being more intentional and
1: purposeful Mm -hmm. in it. Mm
0: -hmm. And what story are you trying to tell?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And from those who who are providing the learning, right, work backwards. What do you want the student to be able to do? What, what? are we connecting to in that workspace? So mm-hmm. again, like I teach statistics, but I teach it with Excel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because Excel, most companies don't have SPSS when you walk in, but mm-hmm. everybody has Excel. Yes. And so the learning that comes out of that. So now you, you're letting the package do all the computations mm-hmm. and the student or the learner can hold the concepts and connect them in different ways, right? And now they graduate or they have a portfolio full of case studies that they've done and research that they've conducted that shows, you know, yes, not only did I understand the concepts of statistics, but I was able to apply them through through Excel, which is something that isn't every company.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Excel skills, that's, that's key.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is, because we all deal with data. Whether we want to or not, we all deal with data. Uh, it is a part of our everyday lives, right? Every, every, time time we get, every time we get in the car, we're looking at a dashboard. Every mm-hmm. time. Right. And so how do you make sense out of that? So, yeah, uh, definitely being being thoughtful and in, intentional about matching skills. Um, and that's why I think iJumps are really important because they're still out in the field, they they're not, they haven't been cordoned off in the ivory tower, mm-hmm. and so they're out in 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 the workspaces, and they know what skills are needed, um, where the industry, where their industry is going, and they can bring the wealth of knowledge into um, the classrooms wherever the classrooms are, mm-hmm. um, and begin to shape the um, instruction so that that one of the end deliverables is this this portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. I can't wait till. Till virtual reality is actually a thing in every classroom, right? Because that, that it just opens up a world of possibility.
0: Yeah, for sure it does, which I love that you say that because the virtual reality space, like it's, it's new in a lot of ways and it's come a long way very, very quickly, but and it's mm-hmm. something that I utilize in my own coaching, right? It's role playing. It's being mm-hmm. able to live those actual experiences and like, being able to very clearly connect the why. Mm -hmm. And I think the connecting the why is a big piece that's missing a lot of times from any education, right? Mm -hmm. You can consume all kinds of information, but if you don't have a why or a connection point,
1: you're not going to retain, you're not Mm going to utilize it and you're not going to be able to recall it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's application. Mm -hmm. It's application, right? You can tell someone how to tie their shoes and you can give them a step-by-step process chart of how to do it, but until they actually tie their shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> or actually ride a bike, mm-hmm. um, those types of experiences will, you know, kind of elude them. And I think that, um, you know, it will be pretty neat when we make virtual reality just a part of the learning process in general. And, you know, maybe that's like bringing the price down or um, making the technology a little bit uh, simpler or whatever, But it holds tremendous possibilities for Mm -hmm. for what can be done, Um, looking at the outcome of of what we want the learning experience to be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
0: moving it from the theoretical to the applicable. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: the shorter order that we can move from theoretical to applicable, I can't even imagine the trajectory that that would set off for innovation and change within the world. So as we're coming to a close, this has been an amazing conversation. I wanna, ask if anybody has any questions or comments right near the end. And as we are waiting, if anybody wants to chime in, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self that
1: you would like to share with everybody? Um, okay, let's see. I, try not to have tunnel vision, mm. right? And it's one way of what success is and how it's measured. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as young people, we kind of get pigeon-toed into these measures or these accoutrements of success. Mm-hmm. Relax and enjoy the journey. Um, while there are a lot of people who plan what their career is going to look like, a lot of us just kind of fell into where we are, and we had an amazing journey and experience along the way. So just be patient. Um, uh, you know, we kind of force you to, to, to choose, but explore. Mm -hmm. explore and enjoy, enjoy the journey. That that's what I would have told my younger self.
0: Yeah. I love that. The enjoy the journey piece. I I resonate with that so much. I was the person who I was like, I got a plan. I'm going to do the thing. A B C. I did the thing. And now I'm like, oh no, what? (laughs)
1: Like I'm tired (laughs) and I'm not ready to retire yet. Like this could be a problem. Right. That's a long time to be in a a space where you don't want to be. Yeah.
0: I think the being open. And I wonder too, like, expanding on that piece of advice of nothing's permanent and just because you make this decision right now and you're on this mm-hmm. path right now mm-hmm. you don't have to stay there it, can it may make- branch mm-hmm.
1: off beautifully you don't know where it may branch off it may be a beautiful experience it may not be mm-hmm. right and then you'll know to get back on the path but mm-hmm. um yeah like enjoy the journey yeah and and yeah. be open to the learning and mm-hmm. it's not all about just knowing stuff but, you know, exploring, exploring something deeper than what, you know, than what it appears on, on surface. I think that's just key to just fulfillment. I agree with you 100 percent.
0: Well, this has been a very beautiful conversation full of all kinds of wisdom. So I very much appreciate you sharing all of that. Uh, very specific things. One of the things that Disruptors does as a way to move from the theoretical into the applicable is we run equalathons every quarter. We have a new one that is starting next week. It's the Latinx Aqualathon. If you are interested in joining because you would like some of that application and growing a portfolio, please join us. Uh, you can go to equalathon.com to sign up for that. And if you are a company who is looking for highly qualified talent, who has portfolios that is full of education, make sure to reach out to me and we can uh, get some jobs posted for you and connected with our community.
1: Is there anything else that you would like to say before we close today? Just thank you for for having me. It's, it's a, always a great experience to be able to explore and talk about like larger issues. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of work that would have to be done in order to bring it to fruition, but I think there's enough momentum out there um, to, to get it done. But thank you so much for this space. I really, really appreciate it. It's been
0: all my pleasure. Thank you for joining us and everybody who was with us today, I hope you have a wonderful day and uh, we will see you next week for how to get a tech job with no experience. <laughs>
1: Have a wonderful day. Bye.
0: That concludes today's episode. If you want to help us disrupt the tech industry to increase the representation of diverse talent, please register and subscribe at our website, jobdisruptors.com. Also, please subscribe and leave a review for the podcast and share with DEI champions and diverse talent alike. Here's to disrupting.